0: Love it. Um, well, I hope that everyone's had a good week and is excited for uh, our most our most recent uh, edition of Ladies Brunch. Uh, I personally, because it's been so cold, like every time we record, I just imagine being huddled up in like a very cozy booth with steamy windows because it's so nasty outside. <laughs> um, so I hope everyone is really embodying that vibe right now as we begin our episode.
1: Um, I actually went to brunch over the weekend at this place um, in Chicago which I don't think you've ever been, Sophie, and anyone else who's never been, I highly recommend. Um, But it's called, I think it's called Pittsfield Cafe. Um, But it's like in the loop and it's inside. It's so weird, but really kind of fun. It's like this small diner type joint, Mm -hmm. but it's inside of of a pretty big building that used to be like full of businesses. It used to be like, uh, have like fl- floors and floors and floors of like a really classic old timey department store. And oh, the cafe cool. was like inside of it. But the mm-hmm. way that the building is set up, there's sort of like a um, like an atrium in the middle of the whole thing. So mm-hmm. the, the way it's set up and with the light and everything, the cafe itself, is as if it's like outside on the street but it's inside the building so it sort of feels like you're outside at a cafe while you're like deep inside of an old building um but it's really really cool
0: that sounds fantastic um it's I'll really funny the because time
1: you come for a visit
0: I would love that. We were talking pre-show about um, if we had stuff to talk about up top. And I was thinking, racking my brain for anything brunch-related I could talk about because I didn't go to brunch this weekend. And then I realized I have a great brunch-adjacent story I can share. So um, for the second weekend in a row, Missouri got hit with a weird, bad ice followed by snowstorm. Mm -hmm. Um, And for the second weekend, weekend in a row, I was planning to be visiting clients at the prison so last weekend the storm came in such a way that we just we had canceled the trip ahead of time nobody drove over to st louis and we were just like we'll go next weekend but this past week that wasn't the case so we had all driven out to st louis thursday night and then friday morning the weather channel was basically saying tons and tons of ice really bad like freezing snow it's going to be really slick and terrible and we were worried so I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, so if listeners are wondering, why is Sophie going to a prison for her job? um, I'm a social worker, and I work for the Federal Public Defender's Office in Kansas City, Um, and so all my clients are in prison, and so whenever I go see them, I am going either to the prison called Potosi outside of St. Louis or Chillicothe in Ohio. Um, And so we basically decided it's not worth it to try to get down there. Potosi is very much in the middle of nowhere, so we run the risk of doing this pretty dangerous drive to get down there and having there be not enough guards for visits to be open, which has happened before, Mm -hmm. um, and or getting stuck and not being able to go back to Kansas City because that's where the weather was supposed to be the worst. So we decided that we would have to, for a second weekend in a row, cancel our visits. And two of my coworkers and I, Friday morning, left St. Louis to drive back to Kansas City. Now, my partner is doing his PhD at Mizzou in Columbia, which is about halfway between St. Louis and Kansas City. So for those of you who are not uh, intimately familiar with the geography of uh, Missouri, Kansas City is on the western edge and St. Louis is on the eastern edge. So, you're And they're almost at the same level as far as um, north-south. So you're just going across the state pretty much on a highway. Um, and so my, my friend was going to drop me off in Columbia um, because Jeremy and I were going to stay in Columbia for the weekend and they were going to continue on. Well, we got to Columbia... Um, and the roads were still pretty bad, and they wanted to kill some time in Colombia. And I said, oh, well, I've heard um, there's a diner that I've seen a couple times that looks like it might be kind of fun. Um, And Hannah, you and I both grew up on the East Coast, so we grew up having these kind of like fun, retro, uh, greasy spoon diner places. Those don't exist as much uh, where I live now. I've not found as many of them. And so I get really excited whenever I see like a fun retro diner. And there's one in Columbia called the Broadway Diner. It's very small. So my coworkers and I went there. Um, Wait, so is say it's the not- same
1: name as the one in Maryland? Yes,
0: it's the same name as our stepfather's favorite diner in the entire universe, the Broadway Diner uh, outside of Baltimore. Um, I actually sent Kevin a picture of this. Um, diner the first time I like walked by it it's much smaller it's like it kind of reminds me of like if you took the charcoal pit and made it like very small so it has the like it's not a kitschy retro vibe it just is actually that old um, but it's quite small Um, so I guess it's it is and is not a real brunch story because we were there around 11 o'clock which is prime brunch time but it was a Friday afternoon so we're not fully on the weekend yet and you know But I'm going to count it. So we go there. um, As I have stated probably more times than anyone wants to hear, I'm not eating meat this month. Um, So I was like, oh, man, usually my go-to at a diner is like a burger or like chicken strips because I don't really do breakfast foods. Um, But this place had a veggie burger. So I got a patty melt with a veggie patty, which was – Oh, sweet. Yeah, unbelievable. I called Jeremy immediately afterwards because we've never been there. I've always wanted to go, but we haven't gone yet and i said i can't wait to go back with you because this will be so right up your alley um but their like signature dessert which i did have and my my dear friend and colleague that i was traveling with was on her period so she um <coughs> excuse me she helped me eat it and she was like oh you have no idea this is like exactly <laughs> I was what totally i needed
1: expecting you to say Or not expecting, but I was going to interject when you said she was on her period, so she was totally, I was going to say, being a total bitch.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, she was good, but I was like, oh man, this dessert looks like, because when we got there, of course, I love diners. As soon as we pulled in, I said, I can't wait to get a milkshake. And then we get in there, and I see their dessert menu, and I see this item, which I'm about to describe to you, and I say, okay, I'm going to have to decide either this thing or a milkshake. I can't have both. And my friend says, if you get the dessert, I'll have a bite. And I was like, well, I'd love to share. And then she ended up eating like half of it, um, which I was very grateful for because I could not have eaten the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And we were pulling out, like at the end of the meal, we're like leaving for her to drop me off at Jeremy's apartment. And she's just like, I so needed that. Like, that was great. So (laughs) they have this thing called a diner ice cream sandwich where they take a glazed donut, which they've made in-house – whoa they they cut it in half like a sandwich they place both halves on a griddle so that the inside where the slice happened gets like toasted and crispy whoa then they put vanilla ice cream in the middle and then whipped cream and then chocolate and caramel sauce holy hell it was
1: aside from the whipped cream so good
0: amazing it was so good. And it's like the legit kind of vanilla ice cream. I feel like you can always tell how good vanilla ice cream by how not white it is. Like if your vanilla ice cream is as white as a sheet of paper, I don't want it. I like it to be like sepia toned a little bit. Like I want a little bit of like off whiteness to my a vanilla like ice a cream.
1: Vanilla bean.
0: Yeah. I Ugh, feel exactly heaven. it was about
1: chocolate ice cream though. Like I love cheap chocolate more. ice cream. Tell me more. And I like it to be, like, the cheaper, the better. Oh, for sure. Like, I like my chocolate ice cream to be, like, the kind of ice cream you buy at Walgreens and it's in a box.
0: <laughs> you don't fuck with this, like, haagen Belgian chocolate turtle, no, etc. I don't want to, like... Yeah, no, I agree. I like to
1: chew my chocolate ice cream a
0: little bit. I want it basic when it's <laughs> chocolate ice cream, but like vanilla ice cream is so basic already that like it needs a little bit extra. If you're doing like basic vanilla, you might as well just like eat air.
1: Yeah, that's like my friend and I have always said uh, that you can never trust anybody whose favorite ice cream flavor is vanilla.
0: It's so true. It it's is there like, There's so many
1: options and so many choices and you choose vanilla? yeah that being it's not said great. it's not great the, the other thing dating, that I want to say favorite ice cream is vanilla
0: <laughs> can I say that having met the gentleman that you're currently dating that's not surprising
1: I know but you what I, the way they reacted to it sounds like a little bit high when he told me or when he mentioned it and I like he was like what what's happening because like my whole face changed your
0: face just dropped. I was like, I have to leave
1: right now.
0: Oh no. <laughs>
1: anyway, that was a long time ago. We've worked we've worked through it.
0: <laughs> so when you say you've worked through it, does he have a new favorite flavor?
1: Um, no, I just keep buying ice cream, being like, Hey, did you know that this kind exists too? And <laughs> Do you know how many flavors there are? Some might say it's uh, better than vanilla. <laughs>
0: Um, okay, before the next episode, I'm going to need you to talk to him about, like, what if he has any parameters on vanilla ice cream. Like, does he like the stuff that is, like, Briar's vanilla that's no. just, like, almost translucent?
1: No, so he said before, when, when we had okay. talked about it, he likes, like, French vanilla.
0: I mean, the thi- here's the thing I can say is, I used to be someone who, like, just thought all vanilla ice cream was a waste of time. I totally think that, like, vanilla ice cream, especially if it's, like, a good... Legit, especially if it's like a fresh French vanilla or vanilla bean that's got some complexity to it, that has its place. I still would be concerned if it's your favorite, but it does like on a piece of apple pie, you want like a solid, good vanilla or like there is nothing like fresh raspberries with a good vanilla ice cream. But I think vanilla ice cream is best when it is complementing something else. That's true. And also, in a lot of cases, I
1: mean, this probably won't work for you because you don't really like nuts. But I feel like in a lot of those situations, I would rather have like butter pecan than just plain vanilla because that's basically just vanilla with
0: pecans in it. I've actually never had butter pecan ice cream, and I have come a long way on enjoying, uh, uh, enjoying nuts. (laughs) (laughs) We should pause here. here
1: first, mom and dad.
0: You should. We should pause here and say that my siblings gave me uh, no shortage of shit growing up because I did not like, and this is not a joke, I didn't like nuts, I didn't like sausage, and I didn't like melons. <laughs> and my siblings could not be more amused with these facts. Um, I've come around on pretty much all of those things, um, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not hot on the idea of nuts in my ice cream. <laughs> I like my ice cream to be very smooth. Have you ever tried it? Uh, yeah. I've definitely had like fudge ripple ice cream with nuts in it and I was just like, "Man, I wish the nuts weren't in here." Did you dip the nuts in your ice cream or No, they were they were whipped in. It's weird because I do <laughs> like ice cream. I, oh, Hannah. Ah, I do <laughs> I do like ice cream that has like cookies <laughs> in it or like berries so i don't know yeah i'm just not ai am I'm, I'm very particular about when i want i'm to so happy you did not pick
1: up on that
0: <laughs> and that i then walked myself into i am particular about when i want to eat nuts um i am I you're your welcome and i'm so sorry in
1: your ice cream <laughs> oh
0: my god anyway anyway um I want to give That's a little okay. That's preview. That's I like
1: my melons. hey Oh, my
0: God. Uh, I, I want to give a little preview to the fact that uh, over the weekend, so as you're listening to this episode, fearless listeners, I will probably be at Kansas City's Panic Fest, which is an awesome horror film festival. I will report back on our next episode, but I am very, very much looking forward to it. Um, I'm going to see... The Color Out of Space, which is a new uh, Nick Cage horror film that's an adaptation of an H.P. Lovecraft story, which Ooh, should fun. be either terrible or great. We're going to find out. Or both. Um, I'm also going to see a movie called Extraordinary that's like in... Yeah. I'm going to see a movie called Extraordinary, which I believe is an Irish, satirical, like paranormal satire with Will Forte. Like, it's just going to be a really delightful time. Um, and if you live anywhere in the Kansas City area, I would highly recommend getting out to KC for Panic Fest one year because it is absolutely phenomenal.
1: All right, should we get into this movie?
0: (laughs) Yeah, Hannah, why don't you tell us a little bit about the movie we're discussing this week since it was your pick.
1: Um, Okay, well, so we're talking about Drop Dead Gorgeous. Um, It kind of goes along with when we did the Jenny Slate You know, like, it's a murder, murder mystery, um, with some horror elements in that sense, but for the most part, it's just... Yeah, we're going, we're
0: going broad on our definitions here.
1: Yeah, um, but it's just kind of fun and, um, pretty lighthearted. Um, I mean, I'm sure, I know that you, neither of us had really seen it in a while, um, so it was a rewatch for both of us, but in a lot of ways it was also a bit of a new a new viewing um so it's should I go into like plot and stuff
0: yeah if you can give us like a little synopsis of what the movie is about and then we can get to discussing it
1: um so it's about a um like a teen teen girl pageant in Minnesota um where contestants and other people surrounding the uh, pageant start dying in really ridiculous. Uh, and some might say mysterious ways, although the cops would not be on that list because they continuously uh, rule everything out as, like, a freak accident. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got a lot of young up-and-comers. Also, I don't know if you noticed, like I did... Um, the voice of Tom Lennon. I did. It's yeah. my
0: second note. It's my <laughs> second note when I was writing things down. I was so excited.
1: Yeah. And I, I read um, afterwards that the guy who directed it um, was in or worked with um, the state.
0: Oh, so that makes sense. Yeah.
1: So And so did Tom Lennon. So I'm sure. Yeah, he, has,
0: he is never shown on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, but his voice is so distinctive. Also, on a very quick uh, tangent, have you noticed that uh, he has, in recent years, started going by Thomas Lennon? No. So a bunch of people um, on podcasts and stuff that I listen to started referring to him as Thomas Lennon. And the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, wow, what a doofus. It doesn't know that his name is Tom Lennon. Um, but I think it must be a decision that he has made because it's also now his name on IMDb. And oh, wow. I have now heard more and more people refer to him um So, assuming that's how he prefers to be uh, called at this point, we're going to refer to him as Thomas Lennon, who plays the documentarian that we never see, but just get Mm -hmm. to hear. Just, like, the voice. He's got some great lines. Yeah.
1: Yeah. um, Also, I guess, like, before we get into the film too much, um, because I really enjoyed it, um, I'm sure... You would agree that there was a couple parts and aspects of the film that did not age well.
0: Yep, that's <laughs> for sure.
1: Um, in particular, a uh, lot of use of
0: the R word and. Yeah, basically, Will Sasso's whole character. And I say that as someone who really appreciates Will Sasso and yeah. loved him on Mad TV and thinks that um, he's, he does have. Uh, a lot of good comedic sensibility about him. um He plays someone who is intellectually impaired, and basically his entire storyline is just like being comic relief, and it's super upsetting every yeah, time he's in a scene. Very, uh, I I would difficult. also say like the the Chinese family who has adopted a white girl so that they can like get her in this pageant is, like, a very weird yeah. storyline that, like, doesn't age super well. It, it, it's, like, less prominent the only, than...
1: They're uh, essentially the only non-white people in the entire film, yeah. too. It's a little also, bit
0: less prominent. Like, they get less screen time than Will Sasso's character. So at yeah. first I was like, well, they're not as bad. And I was like, well, they, they sort of are, like, we just don't see it as much. But it's, like, super weird because yeah. they... We only see them in a couple scenes, but they talk about how they adopted, a, a like, a white American girl to help them acclimate to America, but then we learn in sort of an aside scene that they have a daughter who's the same age, appears to be the same age, who's Chinese, and they're, like, yelling at her to speak English. It's just, like, a very weird... Yeah. Um, it's a very weird addition. Weird choice.
1: And I also... Because I also thought with the stuff with Will Sasso, like... The first time he's introduced I was like, "Ooh, that's not great." And then it like they kept yeah, kept using him as like a punchline.
0: Right. Um, they really harp on it.
1: Yeah, and I was like, "Oh god."
0: <laughs> yeah, like, and I'm sure this this won't surprise you, um, but another the the third thing I had written down that doesn't age well that I think is more like the Will Sasso character is we get this guy who's one of the judges who is clearly Uh, super pervy Mm -hmm. and, like, inappropriate. Um, And so, like, another aside to listeners that don't know about my work background, but, like, I used to work with guys that are on the sex offender registry, so I have a lot of feelings about the way that we portray people with inappropriate sexual proclivities. And obviously I'm not saying that it's okay to commit sex offenses or, like, be inappropriate, but I don't love, I think, like, this trope of, like, ha ha, look at this creepy sex offender is, like, really damaging to real people who are trying to get better and do better. So Mm. the fact that they just had this character where it was like, oh, it's, first of all, it's not, to me, it's not funny because, like, there are, women do so often, like, live with this looming threat of men like, surveilling them and being creepy and inappropriate, that from that perspective, I was like, I don't get why this is funny. And then also from my, like, personal sensitivity, I didn't find it funny. So yeah. I don't really know who that joke was for, per se. Yeah. Um. And that's another one where, like, they just keep hitting it again and again and again and again. And I was like, okay, yeah, I feel like we we got it now. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it, it goes... um. It, it, like there's Even though I like Really enjoy the movie There's definitely Some aspects of it Where the humor Is like Very Like they spell All the jokes out For you <laughs> Yeah um, Now Which is more oh, I think more Typical of like The Of like t- Like comedy Around like 2000 Mm-hmm Yeah um, Like with like All the scary movie And date movie And all those movies mm-hmm. Um. How it's just like very obvious jokes. Right. Which sometimes can be done great and still be really fun, which I think primarily this movie did do. Um, but there are definitely a couple of things like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and I was going to say, I'm glad that you brought those up up front because I feel like they are a good thing to sort of um, put a little marker in for folks. Uh, but I would say so I know that this movie was your pick and you had mentioned it was a rewatch for you. Um, a very, very dear friend of mine um, named Ryan who grew up in Iowa uh, showed this movie to me a couple years ago. Um, I think he and Jeremy had watched it previously and were like, I can't believe you've never seen it. We're going to watch it. Um, and my friend Ryan does like a very spot on Minnesota accent mm-hmm. and like has quoted this movie to me before I saw it, like and I, when I didn't realize he was doing that. Um so I know we talked a little bit about, and I think rightly so, the way that some of the jokes are just like they hit you over the head with it and they really spell it out. I think what this movie does really well is that there are those jokes, right? Like returning to Will Sasso's character or the kind of like creepy judge character. Those those jokes aren't great. But I think a lot of the humor is so much more subtle um, I found myself catching like little one-liners that just made me laugh really hard that I had totally missed the first time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is the kind of movie where one-liners like that might just keep jumping out at you if you were like this movie definitely would benefit from rewatching. Oh um, yeah, for sure. And the the first example for me, which just like I almost fell out of my chair because I couldn't believe I didn't recognize it the first time. So the first death in the movie, um, I think as you explained like the whole premise here is that this little documentary crew is filming the um, beauty pageant in this small small rural town in in minnesota and so you have this they're introducing each of the contestants who as they're getting ready to join this um this pageant and there's this one girl named tammy who is sort of athletic and has won and and excelled in every sport she's ever done and she's sort of talking about how she feels super confident because she whenever she sets her mind to something she wins and she's the best at it and then they have a long shot of her on a tractor like riding off into the distance and the tractor explodes um and of course she's the first death and everyone sort of talks about how it's an accident but as we go forward and people are becoming more suspicious um namely uh kirsten dunst starts to become suspicious after her high school crush shows up um Dead after uh, Denise Richards sort of was sweet on him, and he wanted to to date Kirsten Dunst, and then he shows up dead. Mm-hmm. And she's talking about to the documentary crew about how she thinks the murders are or the deaths are murders, and she's ta- she's talking about how well everyone says that Tammy was riding her dad's thresher and having a smoke, but everyone knows. <laughs> that like she just liked to ride her dad's thresher because the heavy vi- vibration helped her think and she only smoked cigarettes afterwards like obviously <laughs> the implication being that yeah. this was like a, a like a mode of self-pleasure and she would never have been smoking during her her ride on the thresher which yeah. just like made me la- and i could not believe that i missed that gag the first time and there's another really good one that stood out to me later on where Denise Richards um, is the daughter of Kirstie Alley. And so she, we assume, has been primed kind of her whole life to be involved in in this pageant when she reaches 17. And so she's so well rehearsed. And whenever she answers a question, she phrases it in this way that's like very comical and like, overdone and patriotic and conservative Christian and stuff like that. So when she and Kirsten Dunst are going to get in a fight and she says, well, as my mother says at Sunday dinner, come and get it. Yeah. Which is that, like,
1: no, yeah, that's so was good. I was going to say. It was like my favorite, but she says, as my mother says at Sunday dinner, come and get it, bitch.
0: <laughs> it's just like, it is such a, I think, so I think we would be, we would be remiss to say, to talk only about the jokes that don't land and then not mention all of the things that are just like tiny throwaway lines that are hilarious. Um, There is a lot of really smart humor going on in this movie, even though there is stuff that does not age well at all.
1: Mm -hmm. Agreed. Um, Also like the fact that um, the, the clips of like the pageant from the previous year,
0: being uh hosted by adam west <laughs> yeah well and it like amazing so one of the things that made me laugh the hardest which was a recurring joke that i thought worked really well um and we should say actually we haven't mentioned this yet but this movie was written by lona williams um who is also known for writing the scout's guide to the zombie apocalypse which i've not seen but i've heard very good things about um She actually had a cameo in the movie. She played the third judge um, who didn't have any speaking, didn't have any uh, lines. Um, And she herself was the first runner-up in a Junior Miss pageant. So, like, this is, one might assume, coming from, like, a really personal place. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there is this running gag about the woman who won last year, who is, like, the reigning (laughs) champ. Um, So the first time we see her... We have this like establishing shot from outside the hospital when they're like all the, you know, when you go into a hospital parking lot and there's arrows pointing you to everything. And it's like emergency room, labor and delivery, et cetera, et cetera, eating disorder wing. Um, and so she is there and she is anorexic. And, and I don't I want to be very clear that like we do not think that eating disorders on their face are funny, but I sort of like appreciate the biting satire that no one is con- no one is concerned or thinks it is troubling that this woman is now in the emergency room or in the hospital for an eating disorder and whenever we see her she like can't speak without getting super winded mm-hmm. her hair is falling out there's a scene where Kirsten Dunst keeps going to visit her um and Denise Richards shows up and brings her, like, some baked goods or something. And Kirsten Dunst is, like, she's anorexic. And Denise Richards goes, she's skinny, not deaf. (laughs) Um, And sort of, like, the implication that it's so important to these people that they be pretty, that it doesn't matter that she is, like, literally destroying her body to be what society thinks is attractive, I thought is a joke that, like, is incredibly... Um, intentional and I think if you're watching this and like you can't immediately tell it was written by a woman like the, that, that storyline or that sort of like lining of jokes really felt like it's coming from a, a female perspective
1: yeah and uh, when they wheeled her out toward the end to do her oh God, her lip
0: sync oh no <laughs> while her nurse like pushes her around in a wheelchair it was both really funny and super sad. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, so we should talk a little bit about some of the girls, um, talents because I felt like this is a place where a lot of the comedy comes in for me. Yeah. Um, I would also say in a, um, similar vein,
1: I appreciated that there was no swimsuit, uh, category as a part of it. Yeah.
0: And the physical fitness, they're dressed like pretty conservatively. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate that as well. Um, did you have a favorite... Talent in the movie.
1: Um, well, I liked the girl who did the like retelling of the film *Soylent Green*. Oh yeah, that was pretty great. <laughs> I, I also that was lo- really funny.
0: Also, she looks kind a lot
1: of like a uh, king princess.
0: If you know who that is. Oh yeah, yeah. I could totally see that. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of want to work through all the main ones because they were really great. Because I also loved the girl who I she really wants to spread sign language. Oh yeah. At first, I think when I first watched the movie, I thought her parents were deaf, but then upon watching it a second time, when she's, when they're interviewing her the first time and she's like going to start doing her dance in the house, she says like, mom, if you would do the honors, but she has her back to her mom. So her mom can hear her, but can't see her signing. Mm -hmm. Um, and later in the movie, she gets, um, she's the victim of one of the quote unquote accidents. And, uh, luckily for her she becomes deaf which is all she's ever wanted Um, but she did like an interpretive dance to don't cry out loud while signing which I thought was um, really bonkers or no not don't cry out loud that's the that's the um, reigning champ she did um, through the eyes of love I think
1: Mm -hmm. I can't believe I didn't mention though Denise Richards uh, I love you baby
0: that's what I thought you were gonna dance say. with a
1: with a little stuffed Jesus on a cross. Not little. I mean, gigantic stuffed Jesus on a cross. That was pretty amazing. And like it had it. Um, the hands are like Velcroed to the cross, so that she could mm-hmm. take it off and wrap it around her while she was singing. I love like it. Like they pretty. were doing a dance
0: number, and the cross was like on wheels, so she, they could like twirl around, which is <laughs> really really great. Yeah, I also that was love that super funny. Her character, um, this made me laugh really hard. Her character was the president of the Lutheran Sisterhood Gun Club. And so in all of her intro interviews, she's like, this is the whatever kind of gun my mom got me when I was 13. This is the other gun my mom got me when I was 16. Um, you and I both did not grow up in a culture where guns were common. I mean, we have cousins that were given guns when they were young. Um, but that has, that was not our experience. So, um... It felt both true and shocking (laughs) for her to be like, oh, yeah, this is the gun mom gave me when I was 13.
1: Yeah. Although, I mean, we shot guns at Uncle Mickey's when we were – I probably shot my first
0: gun when I was, like, 11. Yeah, but somebody didn't give you a gun for your birthday. Like, I remember when we were in Tennessee and someone gave our brother bullets for his birthday. The implication being, like, you can – like, when we go shoot guns tomorrow, you can shoot as many as you want, like, as many bullets as you want. And to me, that was like, whoa. And he was probably like 15. Yeah. (laughs) So that's just uh, our experience is different, I think, Mm -hmm. than other people's. Um, I also, I felt like um, Kirsten Dunst... Her talent is not that extravagant in and of itself, but I do love the scene we get at the beginning of her practicing her tap dancing in the mortuary while she's like doing hair and makeup for dead bodies is um, maybe one of the most iconic things for me about this movie is like that scene of her like twirling with a foundation brush Mm -hmm. and putting powder on the dead guy's face while she's tap dancing around the the funeral home.
1: Yeah, I mean, I really love um, just the idea – Of a teenage girl working In a funeral home um, But also A teenage girl who wants to be a beauty queen A beauty queen working in a funeral home Um, Yeah She also has one of those throwaway lines When the documentary crew Comes in behind her while she's working And she goes You should never sneak up on someone in a mortuary You don't know if they're doing makeup or Using the bone saw And then she goes so-and-so, I don't remember who she says, but she says, like, so-and-so learned that the hard way. He's buried
0: next to my grandma. Oh, I totally missed that line. <laughs> yeah. That is, well, I also really liked uh, another line, a throwaway line in the mortuary is when the guy that had a crush on her dies. Um, he dies in an alleged uh, hunting accident, and he's shot right between the eyes, and um, I don't think it's ever made clear whether... So, spoiler alert for Drop Dead Gorgeous. Kirstie Alley is the one committing the murders. Although, here's what I thought, watching it a second time, is that um, when Tammy dies and when Kirsten Dunst's trailer blows up with her mom inside, those are both, like, arson and explosion accidents. Whereas this guy gets shot. And we don't have any evidence that Kirstie Alley is particularly good at shooting, So I assume that Denise Richards killed him, um, although that's never made explicit. Yeah, Um, although they do
1: cut to her immediately after they say it's a hunting accident, and they cut to her telling a story about, like, a different gun for a different birthday.
0: Right, right. Um, But I love when... (laughs) She's like putting a um little cap on him mm-hmm. to color to cover the bullet wound and the her boss says like the family wants him to look like he just came in from snowmobiling and she's like, yeah, rosy cheeks and pink ears I know
1: <laughs> and really really, says, really made if people me keep laugh dying from these mysterious accents. I'm gonna run out of caps
0: yeah <laughs> um. so ha- let's talk about the adults in this movie because there's some pretty we talked about a lot of the uh, Acting from the younger adults. But we've got some great performances from the, like, parents and associated townspeople as well.
1: Yeah. Um, well, so, one thing that I uh, noticed, too, about, like, our, I guess, like, the two main um, adults that we follow are Kirstie Alley and then Ellen Barkin. Mm-hmm. Um, who I did not recognize <laughs> um, yeah. for a really long time. And I noticed, or, like, thought it was kind of interesting that both of them have a, another woman who's with them at all times, mm-hmm. who's, like, sort of, like, subservient, um, but basically just, like, a best friend or, like, a sidekick who's
0: always yeah. there. Although I think that Alice and Janney's character would take offense to the idea that she was subservient. Because <laughs> she was uh, pretty, pretty assertive. Mm-hmm.
1: I guess that's true. But, but go she ahead. Also, did she would also you know like do stuff to to help uh, help out with uh, Kirsten Dunst?
0: Yeah, they both had like a support person for sure. Yeah,
1: yeah. And um, I just started watching. Have you watched the Hulu show uh, Dollface at all?
0: I have not. I keep hearing that it's really great, but I have not been able to start it yet. It's
1: pretty fun. Um, I do think it's it's I like it. But excuse me, I burped again.
0: <laughs> I always forget like.
1: <laughs> I'm so used to just burping whenever There's I, feel a microphone. Like I want to that I forget that people <laughs> might not want that directly in their ears. Um, but anyway, um, I do feel like it's ripping off a little bit the TV show "Man Seeking Woman" from a couple of years ago, which you know I fucking loved that show. Um, which uh, the whole premise set in of Chicago, that show, right? Yeah, it was set in Chicago, but it's filmed in Canada. But right. The whole premise of that show was that like everything that happened within the context of the show was really uh like surreal. But it was sort of like yes. they took a they took a scenario or situation that everyone is familiar with and they made it really extreme in the way they would feel. Like in the first episode, one of the best examples when his ex girlfriend invites him to a party where he's gonna meet her new boyfriend, and her new boyfriend is literally Hitler.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, like, they would Wasn't do, there one
0: also where, like, people are going on dates with people from online dating and it's, like, trolls or something? I forget. I only watched one episode, but I no, remember there being, um, like, trolls or first, weird monsters. The
1: first date that he goes on after his breakup is a literal troll.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's and, what like, I remember.
1: There's one, t- one where he's, like, sitting on a couch and he just starts getting, like, thrown back and forth against the walls of his apartment, and it's because he joined Tinder. So, Dollface does that at times, um, Mm -hmm. where it has, like, some surreal elements to it, which works with the show and is fun, but is also kind of, like, does bum me out a little bit because I did love Man Seeking Woman so much, um, and it got canceled a couple years ago, which I'm still kind of upset about. Yeah. Um, But it's funny, because I just started watching that over the weekend, and a huge part of that show is like the whole premise is a girl who's been in a relationship for a few years and she's lost touch with her female friends. And they, they really talk on that show like constantly about how important female friendships are and like how you need to have like your, your girls with you or your girls um, Mm -hmm. on your team. And so to then go and watch this movie where so many of the adult women had like, a a woman who was more prominently featured than their like significant other um within the context of the movie I thought it was like sort of funny how those two things were
0: thematically very linked yeah oh for sure well and I think you have the fact that like Kirsten Dunst would not have been able to compete had it not been for female friendship right so Brittany Murphy who I can't believe we've gone this far without talking about her rest in peace Brittany Murphy um It always makes me sad to watch movies with Brittany Murphy, especially when she was a teenager, because she just is, she seems like genuinely one of the nicest, most, like, charming Mm -hmm. and lovable people, and it's, she died very young, and it's very sad. Yes, although Um, she was
1: 24 in this movie, so.
0: Goodness, I thought you were going to say when she passed away, I was like, wow, that's bonkers. Um, Okay, well, when she's playing a teenager, I guess I should say, Um, (laughs) but but basically, she um, drops out of the pageant so that Kirsten Dunst can use her costume. And she sort yeah. of does that because she... Just out of a sense of, like, friendship and loyalty that Kirsten Dunst has worked really hard and deserves to be able to, to participate. Um, so I think, like, you sort of have that theme running through a lot of this movie, which I, I had not noticed watching it, but I'm glad you're pointing it out.
1: Yeah, like, the... The fact that really all the girls in the pageant are like extremely supportive of each other, except for Denise Richards, um, who doesn't who appear to part. have any friends. No, yeah, she's pretty cutthroat.
0: Yeah, um, and we see where that gets her, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah, it's blowed nice, up, to especially.
1: Everybody, she gets blowed up.
0: I think it's especially nice because um, I could see this movie existing and being written by a man. Like, I think there is plenty of stuff about female beauty culture and um, beauty pageants that you can lampoon. But I appreciate that this movie was, like, very over-the-top and silly and made fun of things with abandon, but still had female characters that for the most part felt pretty real and different from one another and sort of emphasized. I think there's this very tired trope that women can only in, uh, sort of interact with one another by being super hostile and aggressive and mean to each other. Mm-hmm. And we see that a little bit, right? I mean, Denise Richards is pretty cutthroat and not really nice to anyone. And Kirstie Alley is really mean to her um Companion whose name I can't remember, but she's a delightful character actress that we see in a lot of stuff. Um,
1: yeah, the lady from that, Austin Powers.
0: Yeah, that I'm blanking on. So Kirstie Alley is pretty mean to her, but um, I think most of the other connections that we see are pretty positive. Um, and unfortunately, I don't think we get to see that enough in movies. I think too often people kind of lean on this crutch that women are just bitchy to each other and there's not anything beyond that.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a really good point. I also think that to, that um, a little bit in the way that uh, Allison Janey's character is portrayed with like her, or I guess her and Amy Adams really like they're really some of the only two characters that have a lot of like uh, who express their sexuality within the film. Uh-huh. Um, and like Alison Janey hooks up with like a much younger dude. Uh, who's a bartender at the hotel
0: dude um, when she says to that guy when she says like if you can catch us in your mouth I'll kiss you
1: mm-hmm. and he's just
0: kind of like totally game that was yeah. one of my favorite parts of the right, entire like, movie really, and then they it hook up
1: like, it wasn't a punchline right which was great it was like I, I really liked that aspect of it too where it's like it wasn't a punchline it wasn't a joke like she didn't hook up with like some like gross dude or anything like she found like a hot young dude and just like went for it um, mm-hmm. and then like later says on the news when the when uh, Kirsten Dunst wins, she was
0: like like and I got some <laughs> for sure. I do and feel even, like, like Amy Adams Amy Adams character to me like I didn't get as much satisfaction in that aspect only because I felt like she is a character that's very sexual, but m- most if not all of it feels like very performative and like aimed at men, pretty specifically her boyfriend. Yeah. Um. Who do- we don't get to know a lot about him, except that the only reason she does the pageant is because he wants her to do it and he thinks she'll win. And then she reveals that she's pregnant, right, but hasn't told him yet. Yeah. And then when she gets third place in the pageant, he's, like, really not nice to her. That's so um, true. Yes, it is. She's like, I got second runner up that second place. And he's like, it's third place and just, like, walks away.
1: No, but they all cheer for her. Like, his whole, okay. like, wrestling team cheers for her. Okay. I didn't take it to be that way. I didn't take it to him being mean. I, like, yeah, the way I that just, they all cheered for her when she won third place. Like, I guess, like, I, I thought that their relationship was, like, like, high schoolers who are just, like, so in love and they think that there's nothing beyond... The two of them. <laughs> yeah, I um, guess I
0: just like if that's the read on it, then I don't know how to interpret that. Like this, the one scene for me that turned me on her boyfriend is when at the end she's like, "I can't believe I won second place," and he was like, "You got second runner up; it's third place," and just like walks off screen. And I was kind of like, "Oh, okay." Uh, like see, to me, I didn't
1: take it to be that way. I thought he was more like, "You got third place." Like I didn't think he was like you got third place, you dumb bitch. Like I think he, was, I, I took it more like he was just like, you got third place, like. And they were already walking. Like I didn't think he was like yelling at her and storming off.
0: I guess it to me like we can just disagree about it. To me, it read more like nope. We're gonna he keep wanted going. her.
1: We're gonna talk about he, it over and over and over again. To me, as it long read as it like takes
0: until we agree that I'm right. To, <laughs> to me it read like he wanted her to join because he wanted her to win which would like validate that he is like a masculine man because he's dating the hottest girl and then when she got third place he was like oh well this challenges the way i thought of my girlfriend and now i'm mad because like other people beat her at being like pretty and hot Interesting um,
1: Well he had it written I on also his felt chest. like i Um, when she won, he ripped his shirt off and his chest said, like, she wipes the floor with all you princesses
0: or something like that. (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, but we could also, like, he presumably, just like devil's advocate, like, he could have written that assuming that she was going to win. Doesn't mean he's not, I don't know, we can just not agree on it. So I I read her character a little bit differently, and I felt like um, this could entirely be wrong, but I feel like the at the end we sort of get reveals of where some of the characters are now and her character was an exotic dancer now. And to me, because this movie came out in 1999, like that felt like if you did that now in the era where like Hustlers came out and and women take pole classes to like feel body positive and get in shape and whatever, that may have read differently. But to me, because this movie came out in 99, that read like, Oh, like all she's good at is like being hot and pretty, and now she's doing this job that is like based on her being hot and pretty. I don't know. So for me personally, like I didn't get the same kind of like um, non-judgmental praise of her sexuality that you got, which is fine.
1: Which is fine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so that's where I landed on that. But I think her performance is amazing. Like I think her character movie, is too. hilarious. What?
1: It was Amy Adams' first movie ever.
0: Yeah, and she does a great... I mean, she steals the show in every scene she's in.
1: Yeah. Also, in case anyone was wondering, because I was wondering, and I, so I looked it up, um, in the movie, uh, or the ages that they were when they filmed the movie, mm-hmm. um, Denise Richards is 30, Amy Adams is 27, Kirsten Dunst was 19, and Brittany Murphy was 24. Wow. That's so funny. Yeah, just fun fact for you. Yeah. I did not realize that um, that Amy Adams was closer in age to Denise Richards than she is Kirsten Dunst.
0: Yeah, I would not have realized that either. Yeah, she's like um, forty five now. Yeah. Wow. She looks great. Well- she does. Um we should talk a little bit about the like very ending of the movie because of course it's funny I remembered so much about this movie and then once Kirsten Dunst wins the Mount Rose pageant I remembered nothing that came <laughs> after that. There's like a whole 20 or 30 minutes left that I didn't remember. I didn't um, I did
1: not remember that everyone started vomiting.
0: Vomiting, which
1: <laughs> if for anyone who doesn't know is my favorite thing in any situation. So that was perfect. It made me so Please happy. clarify
0: that like your favorite thing is spontaneous vomiting. You don't like enjoyable being ill. It's just like there is comedy in the spontaneous think, vomiting. Yeah,
1: I think that well timed vomiting can be just the absolute perfect like comedic uh utensil or tool. <laughs>
0: I'm gonna share the story, which which so you it's already know, Hannah.
1: But everyone puking, and they were shooting them from below too. Were they're all they're all like, like barfing off, off of balconies. balconies in slow motion.
0: Yeah, oh, that was
1: so fucking funny.
0: And then they cut to uh, then they cut to one of the documentarians being like, "Fucky beauty queens, man, barfing everywhere." But like, I want to talk about really quick. I just want to share a story because um, I've known for a long time that you love a well timed puke. Um, And when I lived in Chicago, I had what may have been the most perfect distillation of what Hannah finds funny. And I wish to God I had videotaped it. I wouldn't, there would have been no way to because it was spontaneous. Um, But this memory will live on in my brain because it was so exactly what Hannah finds funny. And I'm going to share it and I hope it will translate um, over the airwaves. But essentially My boyfriend and I and one of our friends, we were on the quad at University of Chicago. And it was between classes. There were people bustling around. And it was in the – it may not have been the full heart of winter, but it was cold outside. It was unpleasant. People were very bundled up. And there was a man and woman walking across campus. And the woman had a baby um, strapped to her chest. And the baby was facing outward. And she's, like, talking to the guy that she's walking with. He's next to her. And as they're walking and talking, the baby just, like, leans out of its carrier and vomited everywhere. Yeah. And, like, no one noticed it. Like, neither of the adults were aware that it happened. So it just was, like, this baby just kind of being, like, And then, like, life went on and no one knew. And I was just, like, in the middle of everything, was, like, stop the presses. I have to call Hannah right now because this is her dream come true. Um. Yeah, so that's a, a fun thing that, that Hannah is exactly really loves. That's exactly the kind of thing that I love.
1: I recently <laughs> rediscovered a video on my phone of um, the boy I nanny, who's now two and a half. When he was probably like uh, maybe like nine or ten months, he was running down the hallway, and his like he had one of those chairs on wheels, so he was running down the hallway, and he gets like ha- and he's wearing a helmet too, which makes it even better. And he gets like halfway down the hallway, and he just barfs everywhere (laughs) but I forgot I forgot I had that and I found it on my phone I watched it like 15 times in a row (laughs) I bet
0: well so I love right that the the whole movie is sort of premised around this idea that like so you in our main characters you have Kirstie Alley and Denise Richards, who Kirstie Alley won their Towns version of this um, pageant several years ago. And she is determined that her daughter will win so that they can go to state, so that she can kind of like relive her victory and her um, quote-unquote glory days through her daughter. And then you have Kirsten Dunst, whose mom also um, was in the beauty pageant, didn't win. Um, But she... So she like wants to participate, but she's coming at it much more from a very innocent um, vantage point where she's sort of like, I just want to participate. I want to I want my mom to see me do it. I want to make my mom proud. I want to have fun and doesn't seem to be as obsessed with winning. But then, of course, she um, becomes de facto winner after Denise Richards uh, blows up in a tragic float accident. Um, and she gets to go to States and she goes to States and she and Alice and Janie are so excited because they're going to get to go to the twin cities and stay at an airport hotel and they get there and, um, it is not very glamorous and they're told that they're not staying overnight, right? They're just going to be there all day. It's going to be like this grueling all day experience and then they're going to get kicked out. So like the thing that they thought they were going to have of like this beautiful, all-expense-paid trip to the Twin Cities to sort of get to um, have a new adventure is not what they're going to get. And then everyone gets salmonella poisoning. And um, Kirsten Dunst doesn't because she doesn't eat shellfish. And then – so then she gets to go on to, to nationals because she's won all of Minnesota. Um And you have this whole lead up to nationals where it's this like big, glorious thing. And all the while, these pageants have been hosted ostensibly, um, or at least in name, by this fake cosmetics brand called Sarah Rose. And so all this busload of girls, presumably from the entire United States, roll up Mm. in Atlanta or um, in Alabama, rather, to this Build this huge complex where Sarah Rose is located and the building is for lease and it's boarded up and the building, the business has gone under. Um, and all these girls are just like rolling on the ground and tearing their hair out. And Kirsten just sort of gets back on the bus um, and goes back home. And I, I just, I, I can't believe that that stuff is what I did, didn't remember about this movie because it seems like such a fierce indictment of this um, of this industry that like all these teenage girls you know did all I mean in some cases did horrible things right to win these pageants with the promise that it was going to change their life and that it was going to mean something only to discover that like being named the prettiest girl in your town doesn't actually mean anything
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, and I found that to be a really um interesting way for the movie to kind of wrap itself up and i had i i couldn't believe that that's what i didn't remember because it seems like it should be like one of the most memorable parts of the movie is when they all get off the bus to this place where they think like essentially they're like the kids getting to wonka's chocolate factory only to arrive and have to be like oh yeah it's closed and your golden tickets are worthless
1: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah like after all that you still have to, like, go out there and do, right. some, like, some real shit. I love when they were, like, uh, toppling over the letters. <laughs> Outside, like, those
0: big metal statues. Yeah, and letters. they're, like, smashing windows and, yeah. Yeah. And there's something really, there's something really striking about the way that Kirsten Dunst, she's not even that mad. She just is sort of, like, even keeled and is like, okay, and just gets back on the bus. And then... It turns out that um, in perhaps one of the most um, satirical feeling sequences in the movie, she goes back to Mount Rose. Um, Kirstie Elliott breaks out of jail, comes back, gets on top of a local fried chicken place with a weapon and is like shooting sniper style off the roof. Um, Cops are like in a shootout with her and the news reporter who is covering it gets shot And Kirsten Dunst jumps in to cover for her. Kirsten Dunst has always wanted to be a reporter. And the way the movie closes is that we learn that she got to move to the Twin Cities to become a news anchor. Um, So it's kind of this nice thing where it's like, she just was a good person who was kind um, and genuine and was herself and didn't get super wrapped up in all this stuff. And she got what she wanted. So it's just really nice that we have Kirsten Dunst, who, and I think by extension, her mom and Alice and Janney were just like these three women who just throughout the movie, they are themselves. They don't get sort of like wrapped up in all of the showmanship and cattiness around the beauty pageant stuff. And they all sort of end up happy at the end. Um, and I sort of enjoyed that as a moral. And I should say up front or upfront, but I should say that like it's not we're not saying that there's anything wrong with like wanting to like do yourself up and look pretty and like do makeup and love your clothes like all that stuff is fine I think Hannah and I are both super into clothes and makeup like it's more that like I love to me I feel like what this movie is saying is like there's something really broken about the idea that like the way that girls can like earn their way in the world and like literally earn scholarships to go to school Is by like showing off talents that, in a lot of ways, like are impressive but aren't necessary Mm -hmm. in any way. And to me, the the talents feel more like a pretext where it's like we just need something that's not appearance based, even though we're going to pick based on appearance. It's just like it's such a disgusting and terrible thing. and I don't know if you remember this, but like if anyone out there is listening and you're a man and or you didn't grow up in the US, like I remember when I turned 15, like every couple of months, I would start getting stuff from Miss America being like, this is how you like audition to be in Miss America. And like, this is all the stuff you can get. Um, and it's just like a really weird, archaic thing that still exists for some reason. <laughs>
1: Yeah, although didn't they, they got rid of the Miss America swimsuit competition
0: too uh, A couple years ago I have, I maybe, I have no idea, I don't follow that stuff at all But that wouldn't surprise me
1: I remember when they decided, they decided to do athleisure instead I believe Yeah (laughs) Um, but, but So Yeah I mean It's a strange point for sure
0: yeah. Do or you have any final point, thoughts or anything we didn't cover when, in talking about this movie?
1: Um, looking over my notes, I feel like that pretty much um, got most of it. I mean, I liked the way that Kirsten Dunst and Ellen Barkin's characters would say, love you much, instead of saying, I love you. I thought that was cute. Mm-hmm. going to say that to you from now on. That was cute. Um... Yeah. I, love I it. think that was pretty much like all I had. Oh yeah, and then I also wrote down, is Denise Richard's hair the Rachel?
0: <laughs> mm mm-hmm. it Her does. Haircut it's, is very if it's close. not it's very damn close. Yeah. Yeah. Um So Hannah, how many bloody Marys would you give to Drop Dead Gorgeous? Um, I think I would give it
1: a solid three out of five. Okay. Like just three good, sturdy, standard, maybe like above, like a little above average Bloody Marys. Yeah.
0: I think I would give this three Bloody Marys and a pickleback, which is an equivalent of three and a half out of five stars. That I'm like right to really me. torn between going three or four, so I'm going to go three and a half because I do think even though there are aspects of this that did not age well i think that this movie is um is pretty phenomenal and it's just like a really fun a fun watch
1: yeah and it is cool that it really has um like pretty much no male leads
0: right like all the male <laughs> characters are um Tangential at best, which I like. Yeah, and
1: I mean the women barely even talk about men either. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, like they're, I mean they're talking about a beauty pageant a lot of the time. Um, but right, but they're not talking about men. Yeah, they're not talking about men or, you know, they don't even really fight over men. Um, so that part of it too is really cool.
0: Yeah, that's that's definitely true. Like really refreshing.
1: Yeah. They had
0: just so you heard it here first, guys. Women of
1: color in there would have been.
0: Although to be fair, <laughs> it is it is rural Minnesota, so fair fair point. Uh, the setting might preclude that from happening, um, but but yeah, that's definitely a fair point. Um, so, uh, with that, we'll move on to uh, our in later news, which Hannah has for us this week. Yeah, so
1: I came across this in a trivia bar trivia on Sunday. Um, The San Francisco Giants hired Alyssa Nakin, um, who became the MLB's first female full-time coach ever. That's
0: really exciting.
1: Yeah, so um, she has been hired as an assistant under manager Gabe Kapler. Not only will she coach, um, but she will focus on fostering a clubhouse culture that promotes high performance through, among other attributes, a deep sense of collaboration and teamwork. Um, So she's, like, kind of being brought in to also help with the team dynamics um, in addition to coaching, Um, which I kind of love that idea that it's like, these dudes are all, like, real hot-headed and... Like can't communicate. Got to bring in a woman to teach them how to talk about their feelings. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. But yeah, so that was pretty cool. Um,
0: That's really awesome. I am a I am a pretty big baseball fan and had not heard that, so I'm yeah, excited about. that. It says
1: that. that she uh recently got a lot of um, uh, what's the word um like attention because she spearheaded uh, mental health and wellness initiatives in baseball and worked to promote more nice. diversity within the organization. That's awesome. Yeah, so uh, Alyssa Nakin, we got our eyes on you.
0: Don't don't let us down. <laughs> no pressure. Uh, this, this we're not going to hold you to a standard podcast. of being the uh, the, the uh, sign bearer for your gender, but you are the only woman in professional baseball right now, so.
1: <laughs> so no pressure. Keep but. your head up, girl. <laughs> Keep
0: your head up. Um, um, next week... I'm going to assign the homework because it's my pick. Uh, Next week we're going back out to the theaters and we're going to be seeing The Turning, which is a new adaptation of um, Henry James' novella The Turn of the Screw. Um, If you are not familiar, this movie was previously made into a movie called The Innocence that came out in the 60s. um, And it's going to be starring Mackenzie Davis and Finn Wolfhard. Uh, It's also directed by Floria Sigismondi, who directed a couple episodes of Handmaid's Tale. But Mm -hmm. Hannah, she's also directed a music video to one of our favorite songs and one of your favorite music videos. What? So, yeah. Miss Sigismondi directed the video for Anything Could Happen by Ellie Golding. No way! Which you and I love. Yes. (laughs) Um... And, Hannah, brace yourself, she directed the video for Try by Pink, which is one of your favorite (gasps) music videos of all time.
1: Oh, yes. That music video, if you have not seen it, go and watch it now. We could do a whole podcast just on that music video.
0: It is pretty stunning.
1: It is stunning. And Pink is an unreal performer. Like, the dancing and just like, acro yoga that she does in that music video are, I mean, mind-blowing. I've seen that video so many times.
0: I could see us putting out, like, maybe just a mini episode, because I don't know <laughs> if we could fill a whole hour, but also maybe we could fill a whole hour. Um, I could see a Women We Admire episode in our future about Pink, because she oh, is a champ.
1: Um, wait, so also, did you know that there was a – Netflix uh, prequel made for The Innocents in 2018?
0: No. It's
1: called The Innocents, The Beginning.
0: Okay, well, I'll add that to my homework list, because you know I'm going to be an overachiever about this. I own a vintage copy of The Turn of the Screw that I bought at a haunted bookstore in Mobile, Alabama, and I've never read it, but I am going to read it before we do our episode next week. Oh my god.
1: (laughs) And I'm going to do none of those things, um, but I will attack it with the same charisma as if I had done all the homework, just like I did with most of the books I pretended to read in college.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So uh, on that note, we are super excited to see you all next week. Also look forward to in the next couple weeks. Um. We will be doing an episode with our friend Cece, who joined us for Black Christmas, and our very dear friend Valeska about season two of the Netflix series You. Um, If you want to hear the four of us talk about the first season, you can check out Behold an Electric Terror. The episode is available over on their stream. Um, And that'll be coming to you shortly. So if you're interested um, and you don't want to wait to listen to the episode, you might want to start watching season two now.
1: Yeah, um, wait. Also, I did write this down um, so I know I told you this before, Sophie, but I'm assuming you haven't, um, had time for this yet, but especially for people who like, uh, who like this movie or enjoy this movie, the Netflix show Insatiable mm-hmm. is amazing and it is, um, more alike this movie, uh, more like this movie than I want to go into too much because I don't want to spoil Okay. Anything. Um, I know that that movie or that that TV show got a lot of hate when it first came out and when the like when the trailers first came out about it. Um, I did not watch it until like I saw a trailer for season two and was kind of like, huh. And then I watched like the whole thing in like a day and a half. Um, Okay. It's actually really, really good. And it's also pretty solid uh, satire as well. Like pretty, pretty biting like this movie um but i recommend it to everyone especially cuz i really want it to have a third season so
0: <laughs> oh nice well and actually uh while we're doing that we should also if we're going to be recommending like fun heartfelt comedies about uh beauty pageants we should also recommend Dumplin oh, the yeah. movie oh, on i would Netflix, not say it's
1: a heartfelt but
0: uh oh sure definitely. well
1: this this is <laughs>
0: heartfelt and sweet and we watched it together last summer and really liked it. Yeah,
1: that, that one's a, a great one. Um, Ooh, although I'm actually Hannah me? now
0: looking at the trailer for it and realizing that it stars that actress that you didn't like in the Christmas movie that we watched when we were both home for the holidays. Which one? Um, the actress that does a lot with her lips. She like looks like a young Mia Coon- Mila Kunis but her oh, mouth is always like my pouting.
1: Oh that Oh no. Wow. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I guess she's, like, her friend.
0: Yeah, she's the best friend. Sorry I brought it up. If,
1: if uh, anyone is not familiar, that's, the movie is, what was is it called, like, Let It Snow?
0: Yeah, it was terrible. Fucking Please garbage don't watch movie it.
1: about high schoolers. I don't know. But there's one actress who um, looks like a young Mila Kunis, but she acts
0: with her lips, and it is distracting. It's very distracting. And we should say that we did not like Let It Snow, but it's not because we're not here for, like, bad Christmas movies because one of our favorite traditions is watching cheesy Christmas rom-coms and Holiday in Handcuffs is one of our favorite movies of all time. So we should say that we're somewhat qualified to uh, to categorize them and Let It Snow was bad.
1: Oh, yeah. Let It Snow was bad. It was because one of the main storylines is about a teenage boy who – decides that he's in love with his best friend who's a teenage girl Mm. and he proceeds Uh to be a total asshole to her for an entire day and then like yells at her some pretty mean shit yeah after she goes on a date with a different guy and then she ends up with him question
0: mark yeah it's really rough actually this is I was like so funny because movie came out in 2019 we did not anticipate this happening and our episode I think is gonna go a little long now, but because we brought up Let It Snow and and you brought up specifically that plot line, I do wanna spend just like conservatively a couple minutes discussing um, a song that I recently became familiar with that I just have been like, Why did the song not exist when I was in high school? So, um, I think that if if you're I think Hannah and I have both had this experience, but also if you are Um, a woman, especially I think in the millennial generation, although I'm sure this happened to women that are older than us as well. You're probably familiar with the idea of a friend zone where a guy who is friends with you feels like, because you guys are friends, naturally you should date. Like if he likes you, you guys should date. And if you don't have the same feelings, there's something wrong with you or you Mm -hmm. are withholding something from him that he genuinely deserves. Um, And without going into too much detail, I have a relationship in my past that came about because of a friend of mine um, telling me he liked me. And I was like, okay, I do not have those feelings for you, but really value you as a friend. I don't want to ruin our friendship. Um, He then spent multiple months just, like, getting drunk and belligerently yelling at me about how come we weren't dating. And then we did date. Spoiler alert, it didn't end well, and we're not friends anymore. So... um, (laughs) It's I think it's like it's an issue that like it comes up a lot in movies and and music and TV. It's I think it's super relatable. And I think we're only now as a culture starting to like realize like I think people are just now starting to listen to women who are like, yeah, that's not okay. Like it's not okay for a dude to be like, yeah, but I've like been your friend, so I should be allowed to date you. So anyway, there is this song that I very recently discovered. It's not like a super new song. I think it came out last year, but it's by the DJ Marshmello. And it's featuring Anne Marie, who I love and think she does great vocals. And it's called Friends. Um, And the hook to this song is don't mess it up talking that shit. You're only going to push me away. That's it. When you say you love me, that makes me crazy. Here we go again. And then the chorus of her the chorus is her saying, haven't I made it obvious? Haven't I made it clear? Do you want me to spell it out for you? F-R-I-E-N-D-S.
1: <laughs> um,
0: and I have been jamming to this song. And I don't relate to it now. Like, I don't have any men in my life at this current moment that are making this song relevant. But I have lived this life so many times mm-hmm. um, that that song has become, like, an anthem for me. So if you also are, like, you're going through this right now or you're still kind of, like, carrying some... Uh, anger or frustration about like being forced into that position by a man in your life, please look up this song because it's just like such a great anthem and it's a banger and you can just like blast it and scream. And it's really great. I so. support that. Whole anyway, that's day. my PSA for the week. We can wrap up now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, it's okay. It's something that clearly needs to be reminded. Um, to the general public if that fucking
0: movie I just looked it up Let It Snow has 85% on Rotten
1: Tomatoes.
0: Blech. Well, Hannah, I hope that when we wrap up this episode you're going to listen to this song to cheer you up because I think you're going to really like it. I will. Okay. Well, <laughs> anyway, we had a blast hanging out with you guys and we'll see you next weekend for brunch.
1: Um, love you much. Clink. Clink. Yeah. Nailed
0: it. Totally nailed it.